0: Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Matthew chapter 12, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to start reading in verse 38. And here is the trap of listening to teaching. You think how good it would be for someone else to hear it. Or you think how much it could apply to someone else. But I want you to believe that you need God's teaching in your own life and the bible says that if we're saved that the holy spirit lives inside us and he leads us and he guides us into all truth and i want you to let the spirit of god be your teacher tonight and i want you to desire to learn in matthew chapter 12 verse 38 the bible says one day some teachers of religious law and pharisees came to jesus and said teacher we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority But Jesus said, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. The queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled Don't Be Fooled. Don't be fooled. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that teaches us. God, I pray now that you would anoint me to say only the things that would honor you. God, give us sound doctrine. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. You've commanded us to get understanding. Father, I pray tonight you would guide us, lead us, encourage us, deepen and strengthen our faith. Thank you for the children. Thank you for the youth. Bless their services now as they gather in your name. Father, I pray that you would honor yourself now through the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't be fooled. It's easy to say in every generation, this generation is more wicked than the one before. My mom was told that by her mom, that when she was a kid, kids never been that lazy in the earth. There's never been so much to tempt kids in the earth. We're telling our kids that. God forbid if our kids have to tell their kids that. I believe if we continue on the same graph line of decline that we have experienced as a nation over the last 50 years, in the coming 50 years, it will be anarchy and utter chaos. We've gone from a time in the 60s, right, 50 years ago, to where it was too morally obscene for Elvis to do this on TV to now, I mean, they need to start putting a rating on somebody's music videos or, I mean, well, not in my house because I catch catch them just flipping through, you know, it's more trouble than anybody wants. So, and that's what everybody always says. Pastor, I was flipping through the channels the other day, and I landed on on, on this, you know, uh, tribute to Beyonce. And it's, you know, I'm just checking it out for about three and a half hours. And, um, what you were just flipping through but we have seen such a steep decline in what our country feels is morally acceptable versus what my grandparents felt was morally acceptable now if we go from this being too obscene to be seen on television to what we're doing now if we continue the same declining angle That we've had in the 53 years that I've been alive, for the next 53 years, it is just going to be no hold barred. It's going to be anarchy. It's going to be Mad Max from Thunderdome. And we need to pray for this generation. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. I believe David was the greatest Christian in the Old Testament. God used him mightily. Uh, The Bible said the Spirit came on him and never left him. He had a lot of unique things about his relationship with God. And the scripture says of David that he served God in his generation. So whether you're my age or older or younger, you need to serve God in your generation. You need to make sure that your life is impacting your generation. And Jesus is here in his earthly ministry. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 12, and there's always people testing Jesus. There's always religious people. There's always people who want to talk about God and what God is doing but bother those who really are with God. Jesus was really with God, but these people were always trying to bother him, and they were always trying to set traps for him because they wanted him to do something that they could say, Aha, I told you, he's not the real deal. And there are people in your life that are looking for you to make a mistake so they can Aha point a finger at you. That's why Jesus said, Marvel not if the world hates you. They hated me first. That's why David said that my friends have turned against me and set traps for me and lied on. I mean, there's going to be people that are looking for somebody who's really trying to do something good to fail. And they don't even know really what's motivating them for your failure when really it's the enemy that wants to use people to plot against others. And verse 38, these teachers come to Jesus, and they say, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. They wanted Jesus to jump through their hoop. They wanted Jesus to fit up to what their measure of Messiah was. Jesus is out doing things his way. Jesus is out doing what God has called him to do, and they're saying, we need you to do this the way we want you to do it to prove that you're who you say you are. You don't have to do what anybody tells you to do to prove that you're who you say you are other than God. And Jesus said just the only people that even want a sign or would demand a sign are evil and adulterous generation of people. Now, an adulterer here is not necessarily somebody who is committing a sexual sin. This adultery word is used many times in the New Testament of people who don't keep their vows to God. And there are people who swear up and down, you know, I love God. I'm never going to, you know, stop loving God. Uh, and, and then they break their vow to God. And this is spiritual adultery that this reference is talking about. And Jesus said, I'm not going to do what you say I should be doing. I'm here to do what God has called me to do. You want a sign. The only sign you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, the sign that it's referencing to here was Jonah came preaching judgment. People don't like that. Jonah came telling the truth. People don't like that. I've seen this play out for 15 years since we started this church, and I've told you all before. I've seen this a thousand times minimum. I'm just using a thousand so you won't accuse me of hyperbole. People come, and they say, I just love the preaching. It's changed my life. My family has never been blah, 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 and it's so fresh. It's so real. Pastor just keeps it relevant he's just so so right there and they they love it because it's like a cup of cold water in a dry land never been to a church like abundant life and, and just refreshing but then by and by that what used to quench their thirst is now being used to splash in their face and they don't like it anymore because what felt like a cup of cool water in a dry and barren place now to them feels like who, who why, why is he throwing this water on me well i'm just here to serve up the water you can drink it or you know get hit in the face with it. It's just I'm just going to be here to tell you the truth. People don't like straightforward preaching. They say they do, and if they're truly saved, they do because the Bible says that if you correct, instruct, and rebuke wise people, they will love you. But if you do that for foolish people, they will hate you. Okay, so Jesus tells them, "I'm not giving you any sign. I'm just going to do for you what what Jonah did. Jonah." Preach judgment. And then Jesus contrasts that into what they were able to see. He's trying to teach a spiritual truth, but he gives them something they can see. He says in verse 40, For as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and nights, so would a son of man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So he's trying to teach a spiritual truth. They're only looking with their natural eyes. He's trying to get them to see something beyond just the story of the fish because they all knew the story of the fish. They all knew about Jonah But the deeper truth that he wanted them to see about Jonah was the message and not the three days in the belly. He goes on and says in verse 24, The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. See how we're back to the preaching now? They didn't repent of their sins because Jonah slept with a fish. They repented because of the preaching. The Bible says God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them that would believe. It's the preaching of the cross that is the power of God. And he says that all those people in Nineveh's day, these were people who did not follow God. These were people who did not grow up in Christian homes. These were people who weren't raised inside the church. He said these and these were people that the current Jews he was talking to looked down on. And saw as not good enough to be Jews. He said, those people will condemn all you religious teachers and all you church people. They will condemn you. Why? Because someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. Look at those last five words. Set off by that dash, that hyphen. That's why I say pay attention to the punctuation. He's talking this story, he's trying, it's it's a deep story, it's got some weird grammatical language in the Greek language as far as the, the, the context that he's trying to promote being the judgment preaching, but then he comes and says that someone greater than Jonah is here, but you, and this is where he turns it to them, you refuse to what? You refuse to repent. That's what's got them in trouble. They believed the story about the fish. They believed that Jonah had God on his side. But they refused to repent. They didn't refuse to talk about God. They didn't refuse to do their religious stuff. But they refused to repent. We're still in that kind of generation. We still got people talking about Jesus. But living a non-repentant lifestyle. So he points out one thing that they refuse to do that's going to lead to their condemnation. I just showed it to you after the hyphen. The one thing they refused to do was what? Don't be that person. Because if you're that person, you will not make heaven your home. No matter how much you can talk to me about Jesus. If you refuse to repent, you will not make heaven your home. The Bible is clear about this. And this is the one thing that Jesus tells them will bring Their condemnation. Verse 42, he says, The Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on Judgment Day. See, Matthew was written primarily to the Jews in the first century. Each gospel has its own appeals. I'm going to talk to you about that on Sunday. Matthew has more Old Testament quotations in it than the other three gospels combined. Matthew was the Jews' gospel. It was written with a Jewish lean to Jewish people. And so Jesus is giving them these stories, these Old Testament stories, because they knew what they knew. The problem with knowing what you know is it's the stuff that you don't know that can sometimes get you in trouble. He said the Queen of Sheba is going to stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. She was a pagan. She was somebody that did not claim Christ. She was somebody who wasn't Jewish. But she came to hear the Solomon of the wisdom of Solomon, and Jesus says, "Now someone greater than Solomon is here, then there's the same hyphen. He's doing the same thing. They know this story about Jonah. They know this story about Solomon, but he's telling them there's something that they refuse to do. The thing they refused to do earlier was they refused to what? Now the thing they're doing here is they refuse to what? So if you refuse to repent. Or if you refuse to listen, this is going to lead to your condemnation. This is the word of the Lord. So it doesn't really matter what all the other things you can claim about you. If you won't listen and you won't repent, guess what? Out of gas. No hope, no soap into the rope. Jesus said condemn. That's not the side of the ship you want to be on. So then he breaks into this Verse 43, and it's not so much a dissertation on demon possession as it is a dissertation on the greatness of Jesus because he's trying to get them to see you're telling me I should do things the way you want me to do it. I'm I'm bigger than all y'all. I'm bigger than your religious ideas. I'm bigger than your religious heroes. I'm bigger than your Bible stories. I'm bigger than the miracles you want me to do. You saw me feed 5,000 people. You saw me do some fish and loaves. You see me heal sick people. You want me to do all that for you, but you won't even listen to what I'm saying, and you won't repent of the things that you're doing. He's trying to prove his superiority here. And he talks about demon possession. And he says in verse 43, when an evil spirit leaves a person, come. Now, Bible study. When you read the Bible, you need to slow down. You need to pay attention to the punctuation. You need to take it phrase by phrase like eating a tough steak. You need to take it and chew on it and make sure you chew it a lot. Now, I'm not a big chewer. I eat fast. I told my kids because uh, we ate out every night. I told him last night, and the guy turned around and looked back at me to to see what what was going on with me. I said, "When you've been in when you've been in jail or you've been in the military, you learn to eat fast." Maybe y'all need to go into one of those. You learn how to eat fast. The guy turned around and looked at me, wanted to know what kind of criminal or ex military dude he had in the room. But I'm not a big chewer. And so sometimes I have some digestive issues. I ain't going to go into all of them, you know, especially, you know, toilet things. But it's probably not the right time for that. But the average person doesn't chew their food enough in the natural. And I'm convinced we don't chew our food enough in the spirit realm. This word is so true and so deep and so powerful and so filling and so awesome. But if you just gloss over it, you're not getting out of it. What God wants you to get out of. So slow your reading down. Take it bite by bite. See, when we feed babies, we do a really good job of making sure we only give them enough. They don't want to choke on them. Don't don't want to give it to them at the right stage. Here here he says, when an evil spirit leaves a person. When an evil spirit leaves a person. So what type of spirits must there be if they can leave a person? Evil. This is how you learn the Bible. You read a phrase. And then you try to figure out, well, well, what's being said? What can I glean from that? Well, if you just say when an evil spirit leaves a person, comma, that's cause for Paul. You has got to stop and think about it. Well, then there must be evil spirits. Well, if there's evil spirits, then there's good spirits. Can't have good without bad. You can't have up without down. So we got these evil spirits and we got these good spirits. And this says when an evil spirit does what? Leaves a person, comma. If they leave a person, where must they have been? In that person or with that person. They had to be there. Okay? So the Bible teaches that there are evil spirits, sometimes referred to as evil spirits, sometimes referred to as demons, sometimes referred to as devils. There's only one devil, though. That's why I have a problem when people say, Pastor, the devil's been working me this week. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure there's bigger stuff going on in the world than us. One devil, just one. Lots of demons, okay? He might have sent somebody your way. He might have, you know, threw a couple hundred demons at you to slow you down. But, you know, there's one devil, lots of demons. There's lots of these evil spirits. And some of them, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter, they've been chained up and reserved to the day of judgment. So they're not in this crowd of demons. That are roaming around. Some some demons are confined. Some demons possess people. Some demons possess animals. We've seen that in the gospel as, as you study the scripture. I heard somebody tell me one day, that's why I don't eat swine. Devil lives in swine. It's not just pigs that the devil lives in. Some demons live in animals. Some demons don't hide under your pillow at night. Just keep reading and keep learning the scripture. There are different types of demons that are doing different types of things and Jesus said when an evil spirit leaves a person so we got to first and foremost believe that there are evil spirits and they can come into a person says when an evil spirit leaves a person it goes into the desert that's a, a way okay say away so the good news is somebody can have an evil spirit and it leaves them and goes away that's worth shouting on and giving money for right there that, that 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 looks like really good news but it's not always what it looks like sometimes there's more to the story he leaves a person that goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none so these demons they're they're mad they're angry they're looking for a place to rest and this dude's not finding any verse 44 says then it says i will return to the person i came from okay so we believe that there's evil spirits that they can live inside a person they can also leave a person. But this goes on to say that they can do what? They can return. They can come back. says, I'm going to return to the person I came from. That's why I tell people, don't get proud in your Christianity. Peter went back to fishing. You go back to doing what you were doing too. You, there, there are people who used to teach, preach, ush, deke. You couldn't find them now with a search warrant. And this, this demon was in this person, left this person, said, I'm going to go back to where I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Now, real quick, I want somebody to tell me just from this last one, two, three, four, five, six, six words on this screen, how many conditions does Jesus say this home is experiencing? How many conditions are there? Three. Empty, swept, and in order. Now, the Bible teaches and orthodox theologians teach all across the world that the scripture is full of lists and that God typically follows a biblical hermeneutic called the law of priority listing. Okay? The law of priority listing. Our ingredients follow it. Back of jelly beans says sugar. Most dominant is first. I'll tell you the same way I tell you all the time. The gospel Lists the 12 disciples many times. The first four are always the first four, and the last four are always the last four. There's an order of priority. Every list doesn't follow, but typically lists in the Bible, the first thing is the dominant thing. If you study the book of Acts, you'll see when it first starts talking about Barnabas and the apostle Paul, Barnabas' name is always mentioned first. But you see a shift, and after that shift, Paul's name is always mentioned first. Because Barnabas was the heavy apostle. He was the big hitter. Uh, When him and Paul first got together. But then Paul stepped to the forefront. We see this list. What's the first thing on this list of three? Empty. So empty is the priority. Empty is more important here than whether it's swept or whether it's in order. Because listen, the devil can possess a person whether they are a morally upright person or whether they're a person of ill repute. The the priority is not on whether or not the person's house is clean and in order. It's got to be empty to move in. What's the hotel put on the sign when they don't want you to stop? No vacancy. You need to get a no vacancy sign on your spirit. You need to get a no vacancy sign on you. So when these demons that are searching for somebody to use comes your way looking for something to, to do, they see that no vacancy sign because... You are not empty. Now maybe you are. But see, the Bible tells us, uh, the Bible is clear. A lot of people have bad teaching on this. I've heard people say that a, a, a Christian needs to be delivered from demonic possession. The Bible teaches plainly that a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. The Christian cannot be demon-possessed. It is not possible for a Christian to be demon demon possessed the devil cannot possess a christian the devil can oppress bother and mess with a christian you ought to be able to say amen to that cannot possess you the the scripture is clear the bible teaches that our body is the temple of god The, the book of Romans tells us that he lives within us that the spirit of christ is inside us that every christian is uh the temple of the holy spirit we, we are, the, the scripture tells us in 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God lives inside the Christian. So you cannot have empty if God's living inside you. You may have covered God over with a bunch of foolishness. You may have God pushed back in a room, you know, way off in the corner under construction somewhere. But you still... Having no vacancy sign. And you need to thank God for your no vacancy sign. But everybody serving the Lord does not truly have a no vacancy sign. And it's only those who are empty that can fit into this what Jesus is talking about. Because they have to have an emptiness there. For this demon to come and to live inside them. Verse 45 says, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. Comma. You got to stop. So what we know has happened, evil spirit came, moved inside somebody who had a vacancy sign going on because God wasn't in them of a truth. And then this spirit comes and finds seven other, well, it leaves for a while, doesn't find anywhere better to take up residence. So it says, I'll go back. And the person Still, these are people that know stuff about God that He's talking to. Still got a vacancy sign, so the Spirit moves back in. But decides, we may as well throw a party because there's nothing here keeping us out. This is the same way that neighborhoods switch in demographics. Somebody moves in and says, hey, they like us over here. Let's all move in. Then you get a little Irish. Networks. Then you get all white communities, all black communities. I'm not relating anybody to the devil or demon possession. I'm just saying. you 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 say, hey, it's a good place to work. You tell your friends about it. You get a bunch of your friends working with you. Demons find a good place to take up residence. They call a party. He calls seven other spirits more evil than itself. So if the scripture is true and it is, and we just read it, Is there a hierarchy in the order of evil in the demon realm? Absolutely. Some are confined. Some are looking for places to go. Some are in people. Some some are in the heavenlies. Some are roaming the earth. Some are calling a party inside vacant homes, which is the person itself. This spirit gets seven more. So how how many demons in this person now? At least. Eight. And they all... Enter the person and live there. Whoo, not good. Not good. And Jesus is only talking to people who, who give lip service to God. But they don't what? Repent, and they don't what? Listen. And they're not truly possessed by the spirit of the living God, so they have a vacancy sign on the door. And so he comes back. They still have a vacancy sign. He moves back in. Seven people move back in. Seven demons move back in worse than him. And the Bible says, so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. He's calling them evil because they don't repent, and they don't listen. They talk about God without repentance and without listening. People that talk about God without repentance and without listening have a vacancy sign. And they're prone for demon possession. And that's why I said, don't be fooled. Because everybody talking about Jesus ain't really possessed by Jesus. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Now, you see, Lord, Lord, theologians say that's a double enunciation of deity. And that proposes that the person doing the talking thinks there's a relationship there. If someone comes up to you and calls you sweetie pie, they think that they know you a little bit. They call you sugar britches. They think that there's a closeness there. They, if, they, if they have pet names for you, this double enunciation of deity in that generation was symbolic of relationship or presumed relationship. These are people who think they know God. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform miracles in your name. Did they repent in that list? Did they listen in that list? No, they did all this stuff without repenting and without listening. But they thought they were going to be good on Judgment Day. They did great stuff. I mean, cast out devils, that's pretty deep. Perform miracles, that's, that's awesome. Preach, taught, that's awesome. Verse 23, Jesus said, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I see people who break God's laws are the same people that don't repent and don't listen. Doesn't matter how great the preaching is. Doesn't matter how great the miracles are. Doesn't matter how great the demon casting is. It's about listening and repenting and obeying God's laws. See, here's the whole point of the message. Get this and you'll have it all. Reformation without spiritual conversion. Can be dangerous. Change. On the outside. That doesn't result in truly being born again. With a new birth experience. Can be dangerous. Why? Because. The devil. The demons. Found this home empty. See here's what happens in a lot of ministries. I went to a manpower one time. It was at the Tropicana Field in Tampa, and they had some great preaching, great preaching. I mean, the biggest-named preachers on the planet were there, and it was incredible, emotionally stirring. They had over a dozen altar calls, not one for salvation. This was a manpower. Bishop Jakes and Rod Parsley were the headliners, the heavy hitters. They had three or four different altar calls just to cast out the devil of homosexuality. Now, this was men there, 50,000 men there, all wearing Jesus shirts, preachers and and, and Jesus talkers. And I'm there with, with my best friend, Pastor Gene Dillon, and everybody around us is walking down to get delivered from this spirit of homosexuality. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you need to tell me anything? He's like, no, you got anything on your conscience? I'm like, I'm good. I like women. They had two more altar calls for men who want to be delivered from the demon of pornography. Man, I mean, And it's like the dudes that didn't walk down for being homo, they walked down for being possessed with pornography. And we're looking like, you know we're the only men on this road that ain't went down yet. They had so many altar calls, deliverance prayers. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna lay hands on you, and calls for money. They call one. <laughs> Rob Parsons came out, interrupted Bishop Jake's preaching. The bishop, I don't mean to interrupt you. You can stop me if I'm wrong, but I believe by the Spirit of the Lord, God has just showed me a verse that talked about 1,500 people, and I believe God wants 100 people to come with a with a $1,500 check for Bishop right now. You come, don't even write it. out. Make out your check as you're walking and. There was probably a 1,000 dudes walk down writing checks. So we're going to let you get on this stage? We're going we're to put our hands on you? And, and we, they high-fived a row as they dropped $1,500 checks on the ground and kept walking. And they said, as we touch you, the Spirit of God is going to deliver you from whatever's oppressing you. Okay, so deliverance, 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 deliverance. They, did, they prayed for people to stop being homos, stop being perverts. Uh, stop all this different stuff and I'm thinking okay well all this deliverance is going on if these people are not truly saved you're getting all these demons out of them and so now guess what's on the inside of them nothing you got the devil out but you didn't put Jesus in so now you're empty that's the number one qualifier to be demon possessed And they never one time said anything about salvation. It was wild. They signed everybody up for a long-distance network marketing uh, business opportunity. All these churches signed over their network marketing, their uh, long-distance carrier. Back when we had long-distance carriers, this was a long time ago. um, And they said, you know, a portion of this money will go to Bishop Jake's ministry. Uh, They had, I mean, so many different altar calls. And never one time did they talk about salvation. Never one time did they talk about how you could get God on the inside of you. And there's a lot of people talking about God in this world. But talk about God that doesn't lead to salvation is dangerous. Talk, reforming, turning over new leaf, getting better but not getting saved gets you qualified to be not just empty, but you cleaned up a little bit. You swept up a little bit. Now you're triple certified for demon possession. People that come to church turn over new leaves, clean up a little bit, but don't get truly born again by the life-changing new birth experience are in trouble. Don't be fooled. Don't fool yourself. If you don't know for sure that you're born again, quit trying to. I, I talk to people all the time. Are you saved? I'm trying to be pastor. You try to be saved. Either or, you're not. That baby, you know, once that baby comes out, it's 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 the baby's in or out. Is you can't be a little pregnant. Are, are you, are you pregnant? God is my witness. Please stop telling heavy women, you know, when's the baby due. God is my witness. The boys and I went to Kangaroo on 103rd Street. Young African-American woman ringing this dude up. He's trying, you know, he's trying to get his game on. He's sitting there talking to her, and he's like, so, uh, oh, you're looking nice in that red shirt. When's your baby due? She said, man. I ain't pregnant, I'm just fat. <laughs> don't take for granted that you know stuff about people that you don't know. You can't be a little pregnant. You either are or you're not. You can't be a little saved. You either are or you're not. A lot of people come to church just to turn over new leaves. A lot of people come to church just for what they want Jesus to do. A lot of people have their own agenda. And they know stuff about God. But if you're not truly born again by the life-changing power of a new birth experience... You are certified for demon possession. You got an empty sign on you. You got a vacancy sign on you. No matter how much you sweep up and clean up. You know, they they don't say on, on these motels, perfectly clean room. They don't say room's a little too dirty to occupy. They either vacant or no vacancy. And there are too many people sitting in churches that aren't really born again. 2 Timothy chapter 3 talks about this crowd of people. And it says they act religious, but they reject the power that can make them godly. They reject the power that makes them godly. Now, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is the power. But the Holy Spirit comes into the world, the Bible says, to do three things. Look them up. To reprove, rebuke, and convince the world of judgment. Okay, The Holy Spirit comes into the world to convict people of sin, to convict people of judgment, to point out who Jesus is. It comes back to this repentance thing. These people act religious, but they're not repenting. Paul said, stay away from people like that. Verse 6, says, they're the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Now, I'm not trying to say... One version says silly women. Another version says simple women. Foolish women. I'm not saying that women are simple-minded, foolish, or silly. I'm saying women are more emotional than men are. And there's a word in this sentence that tells you people think. I was talking to somebody the other day about a con man. It was Jake. Jake asked me, what was a con man somebody who'd been to jail? I said, no, a con... In that context, means a convict. Ex-con is somebody who's been to jail. But that's not what a con man is. Does anybody know what con man is short for? Confidence man. Confidence man. Carpetbaggers came to the South selling snake oil and all kinds of other foolishness and pretending to be things that they weren't, and they were so good at it, they would convince other people, they were so confident in their approach to what they were trying to convince people of that they knew was false. If you can tell a lie and make you look like you believe it, you got a lot of confidence in your lie. That's a con man. And these people, win the confidence of vulnerable women, emotional women, who are easily commit to something that sounds good, Controlled by various desires. Be careful that you're not fooling yourself about whether or not you have a vacancy sign. Don't believe every preacher is truly saved. Don't believe everybody talking about God is truly born again. Because the Bible says the devil can appear as an angel of light. The Bible talks about lying signs and wonders. Jesus, they wanted Jesus to do a miracle so they could prove He could prove that He was who He said He was. He didn't need to do miracles for anybody. He, he was who He said He was. But this reformation that I'm seeing happen in the world without conversion, this cleaning up your act but not getting born again puts you in a bad way. Don't fool yourself by cleaning up your act. Get converted. Don't let people fool you who have cleaned up their act. Make sure that the people that you know are truly converted. 2 Timothy 3, 5, put verse 5 back up there. Because the scripture says the last part of verse 5 has an exclamation point on it. Stay away from people like that. I don't agree with everything that Bishop has, has taught me. He's a human being just like I'm a human being because I'm looking for greater accountability in my life, because I'm looking for greater structure in our church, I'm actually transitioning for for the first time in 25 years the the authority uh, and accountability of my life uh, to a man that y'all have seen and heard me talk about, Pastor Gene Dillon, who's uh, taken and accepted the role of executive director of our board of directors. Okay, But one of the things, I'm so thankful for Bishop and his teaching in my life, and one of the things that he says is so profound is that the difference between me and most pastors is I'm saved for real. And I know I can say that. I'm saved for real. You might not like everything about me. You might not like everything about this church, but I can tell you this. I'm saved for sure. I'm born again. On July 15, 1981, God did an incredible work in me that changed me from the top to the bottom. You don't believe me, you can ask my sister. My sister came in on me one day and said, what is going on in your life? Because you're scaring me, you're freaking me out, something has happened to you. She got saved, for real. Changed my mother so much, she wanted to know what was happening with her children. My mother got saved, for real. All that changing around. Uh, stood out to my little brother so much, my little brother got saved for real. I have written in my Bible the day he walked the aisle, big letters, Mark got saved with the date on it. Salvation is necessary. If you don't have real salvation, you got a vacancy sign on you. If you got a vacancy sign on you, a demon can move in. And if he likes it, he might bring his friends with him that are worse than him. So you need to, Make sure that you got a no vacancy sign. And Jesus pointed out, he led up all these teachings by telling these people that talked about God that they refused to do two things. Let's remember that and we'll go. That's it. Repent. And listen. Can you repent? It don't matter. If you're the greatest preacher in the world, it's so funny. There's one song that says a guy wishes he could preach like Paul and sing like angels. If you read in the original languages, angels don't sing, they say. And if you read Paul's letters, he claimed he was not a good speaker, and the people listening to him said he wasn't a good speaker, that they'd rather listen to Apollos because Paul stuttered and it was hard to follow. He was short and ugly, fat and wore glasses like that guy so when people say well i may not sing like the angels and i may not preach like paul well good for you but somebody might have so much going on in their life that you think man they really got it going on here's what you need to watch for in your life and in the life of people can you repent and can you listen Because a wise person listens and accepts correction. You know what that is? That's repentance. Make sure that you're always repenting. You should have something you're repenting of right now. I'm I'm still repenting of of things in my own life. I told you all from day one, if you're going to love me, you've got to love me in spite of me. I'm not a perfect person. Anybody who claims that they are is a liar. Jesus is the only perfect person. And that's why there shouldn't be any proud Christians. Because Christians should be living in this constant state of repentance. You should have something that you're repenting of. If I went through the list right now and I said, what are you struggling with right now? What are you trying to ask God to help you to overcome? You need to have something. Well, that make them ungodly. They saved. they shouldn't be struggling with that. The Bible said in this lifetime you're going to have struggle. Persecution, tribulation. The Bible says that we have this gift of God's spirit living on the inside of us, but it is living in a broken vessel. What are you currently repenting of? It better be something. You say, well, I think I'm good right now, Pastor. You need to look deeper. Like somebody saying, ooh, her house is so clean. They ain't seen that closet, have they, Lauren?" I haven't seen the closet either. I just saw somebody on Lauren's Facebook bragging about how clean her house was, and she was honest enough to say, "Uh, you'd you'd, you'd know it was my dirty house if you looked in my closet. Her mom's like, "Well, when did you start keeping a room like that? And she's like, you look in the closet, you know it's mine. You walk into somebody's house, they might look like they got everything together, but you know what? If you look deep enough, you're going to see it. God's looking deep. God's looking deep. He sent the Holy Spirit into the world to convince the world of sin and judgment and righteousness. What are you repenting of? Having something that you're repenting of does not make you evil. It makes you human. You need to pray and ask God. You need to be like the people in Jesus' time were, where you can honestly say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You ought to be able to say for real that I may not be all that ought to be, but I thank God I'm not what I used to be. But don't just let it be an external change in you because those are the kind of people you need to stay away from. External change with no internal. you got to be possessed by something. If you're not possessed by the spirit of the living God, you have a vacancy sign on you, and the devil is roaming about seeking whom he may devour. The best way to know for sure, That you don't have a vacancy sign on you is that you are still a repenter. People get to a certain level and feel like they've arrived. And then they think it's okay from here. No, you need to be repenting all the days of your life. The Bible says from one level of glory to another level of glory. You need to be getting better. You need to be repenting more. You need to be letting God change you more. God wants to mold and shape you into the image of his son. It's a lifelong process. Salvation is like birth. It comes forth in a rush of blood and water, the Bible says. It's an instantaneous process. When that baby is born at 9.52 a.m., that's in in a moment. Salvation happens, the new birth. But sanctification, being cleansed, being made, conformed, fit for the master's use a vessel that he can use that's a lifelong process so repentance needs to be a present tense verb in your life you need to be repenting of something every day not only that but you need to be listening are you teachable you get to the place where you're not you need to check your vacancy and make sure that you are full up with god the scripture says, Greater is he that's in you. If you're saved, the Bible's talking about Christians, says that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you and you have from God. Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but God's going to send the Holy Ghost. He says, As I have been with you, he will be not only with you, but he will be inside you. Real Christians have something living inside them. And that gives you a no vacancy sign. I have no fear of de- demonic possession in my life at all. Demons don't frighten me. Demons don't scare me. I don't go out chasing demons because I'm chasing Jesus. I got better things to do than worry about demons. I'm not concerned with demons because I got a no vacancy sign on me. Even when my house is not swept, there's still no vacancy. Even if my house ain't in order, there's still no vacancy. Even if I'm stumbling and fumbling and bumbling, there's still no vacancy. Because the empty is the priority. And I'm not empty. God lives in me. And I want you to know that God lives in you. And if you're not sure of that, it doesn't matter what you've done in church. You need to get God on the inside. You need to get God on the inside of you. Because reformation without conversion is going to lead to demonic possession. Every time. That's why I don't believe in deliverance ministries for unsaved people. That's why we do food and clothing, and we lead people to Christ. Don't pray for people to get off cigarettes. Pray for people to get off alcohol. Don't pray for people to get delivered from fornicating. Pray for people to be born again. God to do all that other stuff. Be careful about people who are trying to get clean without getting saved. Salvation will always be the biggest miracle. Because that puts the no vacancy sign up. Be a listener. Be a repenter. Keep that no vacancy sign on you. And God will grow you into the man and woman that he wants you to be. Because that's what this life is about. That's why you're still here. Because God still has something for you to do. God wants to grow you. He wants to mold you. He wants to shape you. He wants to use you for his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for living inside us. God, I thank you for a no vacancy sign. I thank you for confidence that your spirit is stronger than any spirit that would come against us. So we give you praise for your superiority. We give you praise for you being the only true and living God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, God, that you would give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, that we would be listeners and we would be repenters. So that Nineveh and the Queen of Sheba could not rise up against us in judgment. So that those who would say things would be proven that you are superior to everything. And it is not by what we do, it's what we believe. And we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in salvation by grace through faith. We believe in justification based on faith and not based on keeping the law. And we are committed to repent when we do wrong. We are committed to listen to what your book says. Help us, God, to follow you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to teach our children and our children's children the way of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Lives Ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.